0: mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices message and data rates may apply bank of america and a member fdse welcome to savage starlight the officially unofficial podcast for the last of us on hbo i'm jim i'm aaron and we're back with another season one episode seven the left behind episode this time it's the feed bag aaron what do we got
1: a bunch of stuff uh we can be reached at tlou at baldmove.com that's what these intrepid individuals did Features on the show, um, and here is a selection of the many, many responses we got this week. First off, Dork of the Ninja says, Quick non spoiler correction here, but in the podcast, you said it was Neil Druckmann's daughter who did the cover of the song at the end of episode 106. In actuality, it's Craig Mason's daughter, who's apparently a very talented singer in her own right. Damn it, oh. I thought sure, because every once in a while, it's not that even Neil and Craig sound similar no but I, I i it's like there's two voices that are definitely not um uh, <laughs> troy baker the troy baker. north <laughs> yeah or Nolan North. there's two guys uh-huh. are definitely not professional voice actors and then there's a professional, and like sometimes i get them, but i i i thought sure that that was a drugman but yeah it's hmm. craig Mason. okay so thanks for the correction i'm issuing it here uh, Kristen says, this might be part of the show creator's reasons for not including many assault weapons, but the ban on them for civilian sales in the States would still be in effect in 2003. Obviously, the military like federal would have access to assault rifles, but they wouldn't be quite as prevalent in the West as they are today since their sales and popularity really exploded sometime after the ban expired in 2004. So I had probably, I'm not even kidding you, 35 to 40 emails. Wow making sure i knew about the 1994 assault weapons ban Hmm. and i didn't i to be fair i did not think about that in terms of timing i am actually extremely aware of the 1994 assault weapons ban because it went into effect two weeks after i turned 18 Mm -hmm. and of course living in southern indiana i made sure in that time that i went out and bought a fucking assault weapon um (laughs) Hmm. as as my as was my right as an american so did um, the ban just keep you from buying them or did you have to like turn it into the authorities dude so okay i'm gonna <laughs> no i'm gonna get into that first of all it only mm-hmm. i don't think it only ever covered weapons were manufactured after the assault weapons ban went to oh. effect so you just couldn't and, build them. and what it banned in reality are guns that had what well, there, there's Two main things it banned: it banned magazine capacities in excess of ten rounds, so a thirty-round banana okay. clips you couldn't buy, uh, in, in in those ten years. Um, and I it also banned, fully automatic weapons. I think those were always banned. Those those okay. were banned earlier in like nineteen eighty four, uh, like nineteen eighty four, eighty five, some, somewhere in there. You could no longer buy automatic weapons without the appropriate ATF stamp, um, which are reasonably hard to get. Um. Mm. Then the thing about the, the other thing they banned is semi-automatic rifles with more than two of the following characteristics, ba- a bayonet lug, something you can fix a, a knife to the end of a gun, a folding okay. stock, which I think also included collapsible stock, mm. a pistol grip, grenade launcher, flash suppressor, and a cut like you, you could you could have one of those features, but you couldn't have more than two of them. Or maybe I think that, that two or two or more. <laughs> All right, so take your pick. I want the grenade launcher. So, and... I, I think a lot of people's yeah. uh, probably people were, were were pleased with the ban. Thought that th- this would like take AR-15s off the street. That's not true. It just made you know <laughs> the sell of really cool looking AR-15s illegal. <laughs> um, okay. So I I don't know. Like I, I the, the ammo capacity thing is definitely a huge factor in that like you know 10 rounds is a lot less than 30 uh s- certainly a lot less than like a 100 round drum clip um and but yeah I, I don't know like that's definitely i think a reason the show could lean on but like again with, with knowing a little bit more about the band i just don't know that it did that now it is true that assault weapons popularity did really take off um in the 21st century I'm not sure if it's because the ban ended or just because uh, there's a lot of successful to me um kind of like scuttlebutt about constantly banning guns and banning ammunition and this and that leading to people wanting to buy you know just like me you know like uh, i probably wouldn't have bought an assault rifle when i turned 18 except for they that they were going to make him illegal and i'll be damned if i couldn't you know Mm -hmm. so like sometimes i i don't know I, i i i'm not fully convinced this is the reason I think the main explanation is that these are in-game weapons that Joel does not have access to in the game, and this is kind of an elaborate in-universe joke about that, but that's just my two cents on these old weapons, man. Alan says, you've been making the point that Joel seems like a stand-up guy, quote-unquote, but he's also been guilty of doing some of the same stuff that we've seen Raiders do. This really starts, uh, has started to gnaw at me. I feel like maybe the showrunners haven't really fully reckoned with this aspect of Joel's backstory. We don't know what exactly he did. Just steal stuff at gunpoint, like the elderly couple in the cabin, and then only kill them if people tried to fight back? Did he ruthlessly slaughter innocent, decent, nonviolent people without mercy? It's hard to imagine the latter, but it would be illuminating to show flashbacks of how these things played out is actually on the morally worse end of that spectrum Then I think we'd have to stop and consider whether we should can be considering Joel a stand-up guy at all. I just think the show has put the thumb on its scale by showing Joel doing mostly decent things while telling us he has done worse but keeping the details vague. I really like the show overall, but this nags at me a bit.
0: Hmm.
1: I suppose, yeah. Um,
0: I. I guess until they show that to me. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, although I do think they led us kind of down that path a little bit with the Tommy episode uh, there in Jackson, them them sort of like, eh, I, I guess having somebody else kind of judge him about the things that they did made it more real for me because yeah, some sure. someone might look at their own actions and be like, God, I, I know exactly why I did that. I know what I did and I really feel like shit for it. Somebody else saying, "Yeah, you
1: should feel like shit for it," <laughs> makes mm-hmm. it
0: more real to me.
1: Yeah, it, it. This email made me think of like the well attested fact that after World War II, there was that we we were keen as a world to figure out kind of what went wrong in some of these societies where these unimaginable crimes were being not only contemplated but carried out with gusto. And there was a lot of world-leading psychologists interviewed many, many Nazi war criminals, Japanese war criminals. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were thinking that they would find some clear psychopathy or there'd be some kind of like mental imbalance or there'd be something peculiar in their mental makeups that would make them abnormal as human beings. And time and time again, study after study, interview after interview, they found that these people were all quite sane. Um, And there's one one of the researchers or one of the psychologists said that it was, if anything, like a social, a social cultural disease, like a certain environment of conformity of thought and deference to authority that combined to make people susceptible to, you know, this kind of like, uh, you know, moral flexibility. Uh, and in the absence of that, they were just, you know, it's it's not like they were sadistic f- parents or terrible husbands or otherwise, you know, they they could be stand up guys. But in the context of being in a death camp, they're war criminals. Right. Mm. So I, I've always thought as like, you know, like I, I, I'm very uncomfortable thinking about people in terms of people being uh, predisposed for good or evil. I feel like like I said on the, the podcast that everyone's probably capable of. Uh, unspeakable shit and people are probably uh, capable of uh, really touching acts of virtue. It's just what kind of systems and environments we put them in and you think about <laughs> a mushroom apocalypse where you have a you know a, a, a fascist tide in the government trying to uh, you know impose law and order like what kind of moral flexibility would be required to live mm-hmm. and and what 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 kind of people would be, you know weeded out you know like the good selecting system the people that stop and help people on the road are going to be the first murdered by the raiders right and Mm -hmm. then those people are going to be self-selected out of the society so I, I don't know um this is and it's a classic you know story of like a hero who had done terrible things as a as a villain and is trying to redeem themselves like you know i I think i think people can change uh i think when circumstances change people can change but Mm -hmm. uh it's an uncomfortable fact of human humans I, i think we're all capable of the best and worst at any time
0: and i do get the impression that when tommy's talking about the things they did he's talking about a distant past right not like well, right before I left, we were murdering people for supplies.
1: Yes. Uh, this yeah. was
0: very close to post outbreak in yeah. my mind. Um, and so Joel has had 20 years to dwell on that, to, to think about that and perhaps change who he is, you know, being in not as extreme circumstances. But I, that's yeah. just my headcanon. I actually don't know that for a fact.
1: Because, yeah, like, you know, how you operate in the wilds is probably different than how you'd act in a quarantine zone, which is definitely different than you're going to act in Jackson. Oh, yeah. uh, yeah. So I I think that that's uh, all good stuff to keep in mind. But I, I think that you're all you're you're honestly supposed to be thinking about this stuff, Alan. Mm-hmm. You know, you're supposed to, as you get new information, start thinking about, you know, well, what do we think of this person and why do we think of that? You know, why are we getting to, why are we cutting this person slack and not cutting this other person slack? Why does this person deserve to die? Why does this person deserve to live? It's like those uh, Rorschach tests administered to the <laughs> to the Nazis. What does it all mean? Uh, Brenda said, hey, longtime listener to all things bald move and first time caller. Well, welcome. This might be dry pie at this point, depending on the Tommy-Joel storyline. Uh, but as a parent, why would Joel ever forgive Tommy for 2003? If Tommy hadn't gotten thrown in jail the night of the outbreak, Joel would have been home and maybe able to properly respond to Sarah and lockstep, which might have led to her being out of town and not being caught in the chaos and, and thus shot. I can't remember that the show has touched on this at all, and I may be getting geriatric and forgetting things, but I find it a major blocking point to their relationship, and it's weird how it has never come up. What do you think about the Joel Tommy blame game here? hmm you might you might be right
0: that Joel might be the kind of guy to blame something like that on circumstances that were out of his control, right? Like he doesn't want to blame himself for it, but it seems like he does that that's the thing like joel Joel has internalized this as as his own failing. Um, and, you know, barring that, maybe he would have blamed Tommy, but it definitely seems like he's not that kind of guy.
1: I think it'd be one thing if like Tommy was out there, gotten in a bar fight between like Texas and Texas A&M fans about which football team's better, but like Uh Tommy got thrown in jail defending a woman from getting violently attacked by what is going to turn out to be an infected man. Sure. Like, sure. If you're playing this out of like, why did you get your ass arrested? He's like, am I in the real world supposed to let this man eat this woman? Like, what the fuck, Joel? And I don't think no matter what kind of pissed off state Joel would be in, that that logic would fly with him. Again, it, it, like, it's not that Tommy hasn't been perhaps irresponsible or idealistic before. Mm-hmm. It's just a, like, yeah, I think Joel would agree with that moral calculus.
0: Yeah, I don't know what it is in his past that made him take all this blame,
1: but he definitely has. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, Joel feels like he is the one. And that's the other thing like Joel feels like he's the one responsible and Tommy isn't. Mm -hmm. So that's another like that's that's a wild thing that happens in family dynamics. Like if you have like a younger brother or sister, who's just a fuck up in the family and people just have different expectations for them <laughs> sure, <laughs> based sure. on their past behavior. It's like, well, what the fuck can they get? Well, that's because that's, you know, Tommy. Mm. Uh, and that can be a real thing. Like, Oh, let's look it up in the science books under Tommy. All oh, right. They're just irresponsible, crazy people that occasionally get thrown into jail. And that's like baked into the situation. That could be mm. a dimension too. Uh, Ted Lasso What a guy Emails in and said uh, Shared with us a, a heartwarming article uh, From Was- the, the Washington Capitals I guess it uh, Turns out that uh, uh, Kevon Woodard Who you'll recall played Sam In the Sam Henry arc on The Last of Us Is a, a big fan of the Capitals And they invited him A couple weeks back uh, To visit them At their practice facility um, and I did not know this, but apparently Kevon, uh, or Kevon is a, is a really good hockey player. He's a youth hockey player for hmm. the, uh, the Bowie Bruins. Um, he's a big fan of the Capitals, uh, team superstar, superstar Alex, uh, Ovechkin. And, uh, he taught him how to sign his name. And he gave uh, Woodard a signed hockey stick and then Woodard actually scored a goal on the Caps goalie, which uh, I guess impressed the team. (laughs) There's video of this. I I, I saw this going around Twitter a couple weeks ago and it was uh, I'm always a sucker for like, you know, the big tough athlete guys visiting this, you know, the 10 year old kids uh, and whatever, you know, whether it's make a wish or if it's just just, you know, delighting Mm -hmm. a a 10 year old fan. Uh, I'm a softy for that kind of stuff. So I thought that was cool. Yeah. And uh, appreciate you sharing Ted last. So actually about five people shared that Ted was just up first. Stay fun says in uh Tuesday's episode in instant take, you're wondering about what non game players might think about what Ellie was doing as she reached for the door. Well, as an Xbox gamer who could have not played the game, my virgin eyes told me that no way she was going to leave him. <laughs> in fact, I was not even aware that we were supposed to think that that was going through her mind. From what I've seen, Ellie would rather take her chances with the Joel than go back to Jackson alone. And how would she even get there? She's already told us she is dead without Joel. To me, the scene was more about showing how reliant Ellie is on him, how much she does not want to lose the only person she has left, and how the only way to endure and survive is to get Joel healthy again.
0: Yeah, you're right. We've seen it, right? We saw it in the the Tommy Jackson episode. Um, She does value whatever she has with Joel here um, extremely highly so it's weird it's almost strange to me that they play it as like a uh, early episode cliffhanger where we're waiting all episode to figure out is she actually going to leave him or not because uh, they've kind of already told us the answer to that
1: but they also showed that like I you know, I mean obviously agree I don't I don't know if, if it's like I would quite put it up to the layer of like schmuck bait they're like you know do you really gonna believe sure, sure. that but, but the show also did um established that they had a peaceful five-day journey mm-hmm. pretty straightforward from jackson at this point which i think put a little bit more weight on the side of the scale that she might like you know it'd be one thing if it was hell getting here but like it was an easy easy five days of travel according to her um even without food just with like uh, a modest amount of water she could probably as long as she wasn't running from raiders and and fungal infected probably make it back I would think yeah
0: and if joel's actually dying in this moment then there's a lot of reason yeah. for her to just move on
1: yeah like i said if he died for sure i'd, I'd it'd be interesting to see uh <laughs> be interesting to see if he doesn't survive this procedure uh-huh uh what, what ellie will do for the rest of the series but um yeah now's the time to endure and survive we'll be back with more savage starlight
0: Just so we're clear about back
1: there, it was either us or the ad. Welcome back to more Savage Starlight. But anyway, I was, uh, like I said, I when I was playing the game, and maybe it's because I'm just super cautious and I'm always guarded. You know, like I'm, when I'm watching a scary movie, I'm always looking in the background for shit to jump. We talked about, but I'm always also looking for, you know, where they're going to surprise me with this. You know, and I, I always thought The last, last of Us did feel like a franchise where, One of them might not make it to the end, Uh, especially since it's called The Last of Us. Right. I think even the title Mm -hmm. kind of implied that there is uh, a winnowing being done. So Mm -hmm. David's up first and uh, we took a fair or maybe I should say I took a fair amount of flack for my refusal to soften on the show and, you know, maintaining that it's kind of a filler episode Uh, A lot of people struck back at that. David was first up as a show only fan. I don't know how many of the details from the episode are game canon and how many are show only. But I think you might be taking your game player knowledge for granted and not appreciate how much we show only fans learned about Ellie in this episode. We learned about her sexuality. We got a glimpse of her life uh, uh, into the life of orphans being raised in federal school. Mostly we learn what Ellie knows about loss. Last episode, Joel told Ellie she doesn't know anything about loss. Now we have a better understanding. It may not have been as traumatic as Joel losing his daughter, but a 14-year-old orphan being raised by the system, losing your roommate slash best friend slash love interest is about as traumatic as I can imagine for a girl of her age. I just wish we could have seen more. Um, I think what you said here about your game player knowledge for granted um, is certainly true because I, of course, knew already that Ellie was gay, so that wasn't a right. revelation. And what I wanted to know more about this you know the circumstances of marlene and ellie first meeting how Mm -hmm. marlene you know like i didn't get any of that so like there is a little bit of the the kind of revelations that i guess new people are getting in the series uh seemed old hat to me and the stuff i really wanted to get i didn't
0: totally i i didn't even think about that
1: stuff like oh wait they
0: actually haven't told us that ellie's gay yet uh, at least they haven't come out and said it, uh, obviously. Um, and, and yeah, the stuff that like you are more interested in and I'm more interested in for sure is the stuff that is TV show, you know, uh, original stuff, right? Like the the Barleen yeah. stuff. I don't I don't know anything about that. So, of course, I want more information about it. But you're yeah. right. I, I definitely think. This is an episode that is kind of harmed by having all that in-game knowledge already. Yeah. And it's not completely, uh, it doesn't completely destroy the episode. I still think it's very good, but definitely I was taking things for granted.
1: Yeah, we got, you know, there's a lot of emails where maybe a little bit more pointed about, you know, one, you know, because I, I, I joked about like, oh, well, just, you know, the, the lives of uh, gay, g- young gay women just are inherently not as interesting as middle age gay men. Um, Jesus, a I lot of people, people realize that was a joke. <laughs> I do. But like, you know, I think because uh, we heard a lot from uh, young, young gay women <laughs> in, in, in the feedback and. Uh uh-huh couple people i think accused us uh and i'll say rightfully that our our lack of melanin uh our our inherent cisness and straightness uh blinded us to some of the charms of this episode and you got it i if you ever hear me uh, say that i am not racist or sexist then you will know that i've lost the plot and i'm lying how the fuck (laughs) could i come out of mooresville indiana with a base set of pretty faulty assumptions about the world i'm the uh, best I can do is try to uncover as many as I can and correct them before I stop breathing but I am not complete through that process so you guys are right to assume that all that shit is coloring my view at all the time And the um, ad being a gamer on top of that forget about it sure sure the most depressed <laughs> class of citizen of course uh, <laughs> okay not my point but yes sure yeah I yeah, agree it is, 100% you are yeah you wanted to to capture a little bit of the the marginalized uh viewpoint i I get it jim but uh Mm -hmm. no i so yeah that that is all that's all true i do I, i i am not going to completely abandon my viewpoint of this episode um that uh it is a little reductive even in terms of if you don't know things um like you know ellie's backstory it is a little bit redundant um and i think it would it does work better as a standalone experience to prolong like i said in a christmas episode or something like that but i do wish i hadn't been as little flipping about it because i did not i i, I just didn't anticipate the fact like oh right there's not that many times you get to see young gay women falling in love you know like as vanishingly mm-hmm. small as a, a sample i can think of in terms of young gay men which is really only been something i've seen in the last 10 15 years and and pop culture uh, there's even there. I think there's even fewer accounts uh, for that for women. So yeah, I I, I apologize if uh, made anyone feel attacked or invalidated about that. Um, wasn't my intention. And uh, again, I don't think we're gonna have a problem because the rest. I think the rest of the season is going to be straight fire, and we're all going to be singing from the same hymn book going forward. <laughs> uh, let's see, Liz. Uh, A few other points. I do think one important thing this episode does is further reinforce Ellie's general sense of self-discovery in the post-apocalyptic world, and this episode is mostly romantic discovery, but it's also the penultimate uh, questions of who do I want to be when I grow up? What do I want to be when I grow up? What does grown up look like in Boston with Riley versus Kansas City with Henry versus Jackson with whoever? Ellie wants someone to look up to. She gravitates towards Jess, then to Joel. At first, we saw it was Kwong. Hence, my question, is this man interdoctrinating her? Ellie isn't looking for a parent. She's looking for a model for adulthood. I took his vibe as both genuine and more as a coach or a mentor, not a propagandist. I'm sure the culture at Fedra and Fedra-run QZs have all kinds of propaganda, but the interpersonal relation of Kwong to Ellie believes or belies a genuine sense of seeing raw potential in someone to be more than they see in themselves. In another world, I could see Kwong making the exact same type of appeals as a guidance counselor or a teacher to a student has potential, but lack self-confidence and otherwise without the collective motivation, motivation of propagandizing a social political view.
0: Yeah. The motivation might not be there, but I think there's inherent propaganda in Kwong, uh, in his worldview, right? Like, he doesn't suggest, hey, you could uh, grow up and do whatever you want. He's trying to push her down the only two paths right. that he sees for her, which are just so happen to both be inside the Fedra organization with Fedra right. on top. So yeah. there's an inherent propaganda in that. But you're right. I, I do think he's genuinely trying to do right by this girl. It's just he has a very limited worldview.
1: Yeah, it's like, well, you maybe know, with their say- reason too. <laughs> sure and he he might say that fedra isn't the perfect organization but in his view it's right. it's fedra or a complete lawless collapse uh-huh uh so if you can only see fedra as being the alternative to chaos and murder and starvation then it's automatically going to be good right of course uh, yeah you know like I, I just like i wonder if like if Kwong would see a, re- a report about something like Jackson, like what would he think? Would he think it's like what, sure. what's that? Is that pro- that's Firefly propaganda? The fact that people like p- p- a couple hundred people are just making it work out there without right. hangings and executions probably be like, oh, that's gonna fall apart in days. What happens when pirates come? Well, what happens sure. when
0: you know the when we roll in, you know?
1: or it could be simple like maybe fedra's mandate they cannot be picky about who they let in in the quarantine zone like they don't get to summarily execute anyone that doesn't pass the vibe test true although in practice i imagine fedra executes plenty of people for not Mm -hmm. passing the the vibe check oh yeah they just come up with other reasons officially right right um Darsh says, "I'm a game player when it first came out, so it's a very distant and fuzzy on details, as well as a show watcher, uh, and I'm not sure if it's a change for the show. But wow, there's a really subtle point that makes this episode particularly dark. For saving Joel in Kansas City, Ellie indicates it wasn't her first time killing someone. The setup and execution of this episode clearly implies Riley was in fact her first kill. Hell of a way to get shot down on her first date. Cheers. So one thing <laughs> that I thought I recalled." from the dlc and i was confirmed by many many people emailing it to me is that the dlc similarly does not reveal what happens after this moment
0: huh okay
1: we don't get to see exactly how riley's turn went down um so it's it's something we can all engage in speculation uh mm-hmm. what do you think because i because the, that the, she had to one... kill riley
0: i i assume probably yes um but but it's hard to imagine that that's the first kill either, because she does kill this uh, infected here. How long does she wait to kill Riley? Because I assume she doesn't kill Riley until she's turned. I mean, given Riley's stance on them killing themselves.
1: Yeah, I think she was fully expecting her to turn as well. So it probably came uh-huh. to a shock when that just didn't happen. Um, right. So do you count that as the first kill? I Well, uh, yeah. She's do you still count-
0: personally. Yeah. It, 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 Ellie probably still sees her as Riley. When she has to yeah. kill her
1: is the the troubling thing. So, yeah, she yeah.
0: probably sees it that way.
1: I think The Walking Dead has a useful distinction where you you do have to distinguish when you're talking about killing. Are you talking zombies or are you talking people? Because mm-hmm. I do think it would probably, I mean, I'm sure in early goings, it would be traumatic to kill a recently dead zombie. But if you're talking about a shambling corpse, it's essentially a skeleton You know, Mm -hmm. uh, I would think that that would not feel like killing a person that would very much feel like killing a monster Um, and and thus not be as psychologically traumatizing. So, like, I I think it's a useful distinction. Um, But Ellie, I think, I don't know, from the gas station experience, I think she sees killing the fungus people as still killing some kind of person.
0: Yes,
1: I would agree with that and if we're talking hmm. about infected uh i mean I, I, yeah that's but uh, yeah i i don't know um because things could like a lot of things could have shown up like it could have been that marlene shows up and neither of them have turned yet and sure you know it could be that marlene shows up and ellie's standing dead or uh, alive over a dead uh, Riley. It could be... Yeah, I mean, I, I, it could be that uh, they get there and Riley turns while the Fireflies are there. I mean, it, I, I don't know. I don't know. I guess I don't have a headcanon for that. Yeah, I don't either. Which is kind of why I wanted to see it. Uh Michael T says, not sure why, if the infected was hooked into the Tendril network, it didn't bring a bunch of infected to the mall. It would have been a much more exciting ending, which is, for me, something the episode really needed. Um get the impression like like we kind of mentioned in the last
0: uh, podcast that it was yeah sort of its own network at that moment hadn't connected up with the fuller network yet
1: i do think they are flirting with the idea that this their Tinder thing might not be taken seriously because like you have to hmm. kind of headcanon and think like because you think about how like and that's something they I know they know about because they wax poetic about it in the, the second episode. It's like mm-hmm. how many miles these mushroom networks can extend. And you're talking about underground places uh, they can spread through, you know, cracks in cement and they can exploit all these natural gaps. And it it's like really hard for me to believe that in the Boston quarantine zone, a lone zombie body with that much growth around that wouldn't have found a way to connect to a larger network.
0: Yeah, are they trying to lampshade it when they say this thing's of like a bunker? Uh, are they trying to say like uh,
1: it couldn't actually get out? Cause... Maybe. Yeah. I don't know how many bunkers have giant skylights in them, but... <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's entire, It's sure. entirely possible, to Joe Rogan it. It's entirely possible. Um, I, I do think that they do, do need to be careful because they've kind of trapped themselves with this awesome mechanic, but if it's trapped, you have to... Or if it's tripped, you have to believe that every infected within an X square or whatever is going to just converge on that spot. And mm-hmm. if they did that in this episode, being the Boston quarantine zone and a major urban... Deve- I mean, we, we saw how many fuckers it brought just a few weeks later. Right. Yeah. So yeah. presumably all those people and like, how the hell are these two girls going to fight those off with a revolver? They're not.
0: Well, I don't <laughs> think <laughs> it's revolver. Yeah, it, even
1: you got 20 shots in that, uh, pistol. You're, you're uh-huh. going to die. There's just no way. Um, and I do think, yeah, they need to be, you know, especially next season. They need to really think about that stuff and, and, and make sure they're not setting themselves up for, for, uh, it's not a failure, but like uh, shaking people's suspension of disbelief, you know, because mm-hmm. you can only jostle them so many times before the whole f- shit collapses. Alex B from Ohio in the instant talk, you guys compared episode three and episode seven. I wonder if maybe those comparisons were intentional. Their third episode was a flashback showing an LGBT relationship forming that is a lot of similar beats. One person takes a chance and kisses the other without knowing for sure the feelings will be reciprocated. The endings where they decide to die in each other's arms mirrored each other as well. But the question is, did Riley get what Bill would have called the tragic suicide ending? Or by deciding not to kill themselves, did they avoid that? After all, this decision allowed Ellie to live and presumably get another chance at love. I guess in some, would this episode have hit differently if we didn't have episode three? Did Bill and Frank fly so that Riley could die? <laughs> um, it is an interesting juxtaposition. Yeah, I'm not sure what they're doing with it though. Because you're also you could you the other thing is like you could you could flirt with the uh kind of uh ghost trope of the doomed gay romance, right? You know that's what that's what that's what Bill's talking about. This isn't the tragic last act suicide. You know, this is me dying full and happy. Well, this this is much more that Ellie and Riley would be clearly more in that. You know. Mm -hmm. that that mold Uh, but it's subverted because uh she's magically immune to the 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 transformation process Mm -hmm. not magically scientifically (laughs) (laughs) Uh uh-huh yeah which which
0: i i don't know i'm i'm not certain I, i need to think about this one more Cause I'm certain I'm certain it was intentional, right You don't sit
1: down and write these two very similar episodes. Oh, especially in without this series, understanding it's what you're doing doing tons of those comparisons uh-huh. like those those pairings and you know what's different, what's the same yeah. Uh, contrasting. Yeah, no, I think they' they're definitely going for something there. Uh, Liz would also like to offer a perspective on the importance of the episode. until this point, we've really only seen Ellie in relation to Joel. very little has been said or shown about her background. The character building we've seen uh, had with joel has been much more significant he's had relationships with sarah tommy Tess, the fetter agent he killed bill and frank all these have helped us understand who joel is and why he does the things he does in contrast we've only really met ellie shortly before she was handed over to joel and since then all our interactions have been in conjunction with him far too often with female queer uh bipod characters they are thinly written They're often depicted in stereotypical or basic ways. I'm grateful the showrunners deemed Ellie important enough to give more depth. By the way, BIPOC, uh, if you're not familiar, refers to black, indigenous people of color. Uh, Was the uh, episode necessary in pushing the plot forward and demonstrating the bond between Joel and Ellie? Was it necessary to have the opening uh, to the show where Joel loses Sarah? That experience and its impact could have been told in another way. Perhaps a conversation between Joel and Tess in the first episode there's hundreds of cues that tell us how terrible the fall was and how grim current life is. Joel's level of loss is not hard to imagine, especially since he is like us, uh, leading, or he's led a pre-apocalypse life. But the way it's shown is so much better and connects the audience to Joel in a deeper level. Ellie's much more of an enigma. As y'all have said, she's only known this world, understanding that Ellie was almost left behind by Riley, and she's not uh, only lost her first love because of infection, but the harrowing thought of Ellie not turning while Riley does and the most likely outcome that Ellie had to kill her, I believe, is essential to the plot of the story. I found myself thinking about some of her past scenes, knowing what happens with Riley. How does that change her thoughts on who or what she was doing with the infected boy trapped in the basement of the convenience store? Her relationship with Sam and Henry also take on new meaning. Her attempts to save Sam and devastation his death is seen in a dif- different light. She's clearly someone who, when she bonds, bonds hard, even if she tries to pretend otherwise, which contrasts starkly with Joel. Joel has been living to merely survive. Ellie has been, uh, in contrast, searching for a life, a search for family and friends and community. To see these two grasp hands and perhaps find in each other what they've been missing is that much more impactful knowing the roads that led them both there. Fair enough. Oh, yeah, yeah. I I mean, I'm always
0: uh welcoming of these kind of flashback episodes because I think for me it's more affecting to see something actually happen than to have a conversation about it and imagine it. Um yeah. So so yeah, I mean this sheds a lot more light on Ellie. I do wonder because early in the season they talked about I, I think this was when Joel killed the Fedra guy on their way out of the Boston QZ. Um they talked about how Ellie responded to that in in their like post episode discussions and the podcast and they were basically saying the fundamental difference here is that Sarah was kind of horrified um by how Joel reacted and, and when he killed this woman right uh this old lady mm-hmm. and how Ellie reacted where she was kind of curious and interested and kind of excited by it and looking back at it i'm not, i'm not sure exactly what they're getting at but maybe there's more of a like this could be my protector here instead of like she's got some morbid curiosity about this and, but, but then i look at the the scene where she's cutting up the infected in the basement of that gas station and, and i'm a little bit puzzled by that i don't know if she's trying to trying to figure out like did i actually kill Something that I could consider Riley or did I kill
1: something that I would it, think it is just an infected monster right knowing what we know now, it seems like that's what she was trying to determine you know but like we don't even know if she still... killed Riley
0: yet necessarily right. so like are they gonna piece those? are they gonna put those pieces together because this is what I'm saying I wish we had seen the the aftermath of this like the yeah. actual conclusion of this scene because I would know so much more about it I'd be able to say things confidently instead of like well if she killed riley then maybe she
1: was trying to figure out whether she killed
0: riley or a monster you know
1: but i think it's fun to kind of surmise that stuff and then to extrapolate based on what we do know um yeah but 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 yeah it's uh and i i think that this point about like that this episode did give us a chance to see ellie outside of the lens of joel and how like maybe i didn't think of that perspective because playing the game, you know, to this this point, like, Joel's literally your point of view. Uh-huh. He is not, it's not like Joel, and El- Joel is the main character, Ellie is a pain in the ass you acquire, and you kind of take a shine to over the course of your travels. So, mm-hmm. like, getting to know her that obliquely felt natural, and I didn't feel like there's anything missing. But, like, yeah, from this perspective, yo, know, I think the show feels much more like this is the two, it's Joel and Ellie, they're the leads. Yeah. Um And... It probably feels weird uh from not that game perspective where your, your pov's unambiguously joel's to like have so much information about joel and his inner thoughts and how he's feeling and so little about ellie so mm-hmm. like i said fair point uh torbjorn from the arctic norway i let the arctic like i thought that was all of Damn. norway there's an arctic <laughs> norway
0: <laughs> yeah there's there's a uh, beautiful sandy sunny beaches on the south and then it's arctic tundra. <laughs> right, it's north.
1: essentially LA south uh-huh. south Norway uh-huh. is LA, arctic Norway. Fucking put on your long <laughs> underwear. Get ready. Uh Bjorn says I love The Last of Us. Being a PC person, thus not having played the game. Oh, here's something for non gamers. Uh, the real kick in the pants about The Last of Us is it's been a PlayStation exclusive. I think mm-hmm. still. Maybe it's coming out on PC soon.
0: It, but yes, like, I, want to say, I want to say it's it might be out
1: now on PC, if not yeah, very it's, soon. It's not just been about, like, do you want to play the game? It's do you want to play the game? Do you have the equipment to play it? Are you willing to sink $600 into the things you need to play the game? So mm-hmm. even amongst gamers, this is not an a ubiquitous experience, you know? Yeah. Um anyway being a pc person he hasn't played the game and three of my podcast highlights every week are savage starlight instant main and feedback episodes that's high praise thank you you guys mentioned the take on me song by aha when they flee from the mall uh uh, flee for the mall fun time there may be some cross-referencing here to the music video that came out in the 1986 uh for this song uh, from the synopsis from the wiki, the video's main theme is a romantic fantasy narrative. A young woman is reading a comic book as the woman reads the comic's hero after winning a motorcycle race, seemingly winks at the women, woman from the page. His pencil-drawn hand suddenly reaches out of the comic book, inviting the woman into it. Once inside, she too appears to be pencil-drawn form as she sings to her and introduces her to his black-and-white world that features a sort of looking-glass portal where people and objects looks real on one side and pencil-drawn on the other. At the end, the young man escapes from the comic book by becoming human and stands up, smiling, the woman runs toward him. I find it interesting that Ellie reads a comic book and then suddenly someone romantically linked bursts into her black and white slash gray world to take her into a colorful world of wonder and fun. Quite an innocent romance to the the music of Take On Me by Aha, thus giving all us Norwegians growing up in the 80s a lot of beautiful nostalgia. I think this is a valid... Uh, This is a valid interpretation. Sure. I can see some similarities here. I did not know the AHA is a Norwegian... I did not know that they were Swedish in origin. So, good for you guys. Good for you Arctic Norwegians.
0: (laughs) I I do also want to point out... uh, Last of Us Part 1 was scheduled to come out on PC tomorrow, actually. March 3rd. Uh, It got pushed back a few weeks. Which I feel like is unfortunate because... (laughs) Suck it's it, gonna PC be,
1: players. Yeah, so it's it's
0: now March 28th, which is going to be after the show
1: ends. They're saving you from yourselves because they know True. they know you'd they be halfway, be you'd, you'd be on the penultimate episode, and you'd binge the game and ruin it for yourself. And yeah, what are you going to do? So very um, soon, PC players can also get in on this. So surely by the summer of 2024, it'll be out. <laughs> yeah, I know how these video game re- re- release cycles go. Zach says Riley said that if she asked Marlene to let Ellie come with her to the Atlantic QZ, and that Marlene said no. She we also know that in the pilot, Marlene told Ellie that she knew Ellie's mom and Marlene was the only one who put Ellie or was the one who put Ellie in federal school. Mm-hmm. The face value read of Riley saying Marlene denied the request would be Marlene doesn't know who Ellie is and doesn't want to take any risks. Unknown entities with Riley's mission. Is it possible that based on what we know from the pilot, Marlene knows exactly who Ellie is and wants to keep her safe and innocent at the federal school instead, that Marlene doesn't want Ellie exposed to inherent risks of being out in the world, especially as a Firefly, which would make her a Fedra target and extra vulnerable while traveling from Boston to Atlanta as part of the planned Firefly mission? If true, implies that Marlene already knows there's something special about Ellie that's worth protecting. Is it possible that even though we seem to be told that this is the first time Ellie's actually bitten, that it's not the first time she's exposed to an infection? I keep going back to that line that Marlene had in the first episode where she says she know, knew Ellie's mom. I can't help but wonder if Ellie's mom was a firefly who was bitten while pregnant and potentially even bitten while giving birth to Ellie. The fact that baby Ellie wasn't turned told Marlene all she needed to know, and Ellie's life has been about protecting her immunity until the right time from the very beginning marlene would then decide to hide ellie in a qz where she would be safer under the protection of fedra who would then treat her as one of their own and protect her better than a ragtag uh group of fireflies ever could okay what do you think of this theory i'm inclined to, to to
0: disagree with it um just because of my general nature i like disagreeing with people no uh I, I don't see waiting until she's 14. What about this makes it the right time? We don't... I guess we don't have enough information well, to say yes or no bit, for right? sure. Right. You
1: what know, do you mean? Like the, the, the mall incident kind of would force Marlene's hand in this. Presumably she doesn't know that she's sneaking out with...
0: Yeah. My, my thing is, though, I how organized have the Fireflies been and for how long? Because um, they clearly have... Some kind of capacity for scientific research, as we saw at the school,
1: right? They've rated right. Some, they've rated the school for its supplies and stuff. They have a truly national reach. It seems like there's fireflies, right. at least as far as the East Coast and Rocky Mountains.
0: Yes, and Marlene believes that they can do something with uh, Ellie's immunity. When did that become true? Has she always believed that? And if not... Um, what changed I guess recently because in my mind you don't wait 14 years to figure out you know to, to find the perfect time to do something with this girl and leave her in the custody of somebody else some, someone who is your enemy in the meantime what you would do is get her as far away from a QZ as possible get her in the care of the fireflies get them looking at her and researching her and poking and prodding her as soon as possible not wait for some sort of perfect circumstance to emerge, but it may not have been possible. I don't know. Like this is why I say I can't. I can't say for sure because maybe
1: they didn't have these research capabilities a year ago, right? What if we made one change? Because he's like, okay, because I like the idea that Ellie's mom was pregnant with Ellie, got bit by. Uh, uh, infected and but, man, that'd be that'd be like split set like so they have to induce birth or do a cesarean to save the baby. But like, then Marlene wouldn't assume that well, Ellie would be immune, it's just something that mom she has died a, to the bite, yeah, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't be like, oh my god, this is a blade baby, it's got all the streets, it's a day walker, it's got all the strength right. of the fungus, and so none of it's meat. <laughs> I don't think that that's necessary. where your mind would go. But it's probably something she has in the back of her mind, and then when she finds Ellie who's been bitten, and she's like, let's wait and see where this thing goes, and then hatches the plan. Like, if you, if you take out the intentionality of Marlene, like, ah, oh, this is my test tube. Because, like, if that's the case, no offense, uh, as ruthless as the Fireflies have been, I don't know why they wouldn't test that on the baby. Like, if we think this is immune, sure, it's not that life is precious in this world. Yeah. Like, let's let's do a controlled bite and see if this baby lives. Like, yeah, why would you wait for her to discover? Now, I also think that there is might be an element of Marlene. So, like, what if Marlene, because Marlene just wants to protect Ellie for her own purposes. Mm-hmm. Maybe she wants friends with the to train him. Whatever. Yeah, of bitch and she wants she knows Fedder's the best protection. Maybe she knows that Feder will do a bang up job teaching like basic skill set to Ellie and then they can kidnap her at some point and use her for their own purposes. But like I think there's also a dark possibility that Marlene manipulated events behind the scenes to reassign Riley to someplace far, far away where she will not corrupt Ellie into sneaking out at night and doing dangerous shit. I think it's I think it's telling the Marlene Mm-hmm. found riley and the story is she observed her sneaking around i don't know man sounds like maybe she was targeted and like oh you seem pretty cool uh you're gonna go like let's get you as far away from ellie as possible so you can't you know you you, you can't it's fuck possible. up my protection strategy here
0: that's possible yeah man we just don't have enough info yeah, but it's what's funny because you get so we get to speculate, right? This is the one thing where we can like, sure, what the fuck? Totally. Let's- yeah, I, I think it'd be co- it's a cool idea kind of to, to run with something you mentioned, uh, leaving Ellie in Fedra's care to get training. It's kind of a cool idea that the Fireflies would use Fedra's resources to train their own people, right? Like you, yeah, you get them inside of Fedra, you get them like resentful of the conditions there and then you go you know swoop in you know take back your assets yeah. after they've been they're trained teach after them basic
1: gun training with uh-huh. their ammo and their equipment and they're going to feed and they're going to provide physical therapy yeah it's a long-term like, play but i think it's kind of smart you have to bet on your ability to unindoctrinate yes. the child rapidly but i think the Definitely. fireflies would think that fedra being so awful makes that job pretty easy right but the only it's, blind it's spot in that is fireflies are kind of terrible too, from these kids' perspectives. They're killing <laughs> sure, yeah. random innocent people, causing start you know, so it, it's a
0: risky play because like giving giving adults access to children's minds allows <laughs> them a lot of liberties to take with those children, and I think no, no problems. There's absolutely no problems doing <laughs> no that. No problems, and I think it might be hard to deprogram them in short order. So. Maybe it's not worth it. Maybe it's easier to to train a kid how to use a rifle than it is to deprogram them from a bunch of Fedra propaganda.
1: Uh, I, I cut a bit but of it's a cool idea. I, yeah, Zach's <laughs> want to know if they need did they need to show this on screen? If if we want okay, if we want this to be canon, yes, totally. But like, yeah. if if not, then then you because know, like all this is wild spec. Let's let's be real. This is all wild speculation.
0: Uh-huh. Or so. just have a couple lines that that state it and it'll be canon they don't have to necessarily yeah. show it but yeah definitely
1: uh jerry talked about us saying that there's no way to ellie drug joel to the cabin uh he disagrees as the official podcast touches on this and says the show opens from the perspective of joel being dragged you can see the drag marks tinged with blood leading all the way to the house i assume joel mustered enough strength to get downstairs
0: Oh, I to assume be clear, she tied him to
1: the horse and just dragged his ass. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think, yes, she drug him the last little bit from, you know, the 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 driveway to the house. But like we were talking about like Indiana Jones style drug from a horse. Uh huh. Like, which uh-huh. is I think that's a that's a that's a, that's a lot more traumatic to be drugged by a horse than by a fourteen year old girl for a hundred yards or so. But True. I, I do think it's a very well, funny well, but- possibility that she just did track him.
0: Probably not at full gallop. She's probably not trying to take limbs off. I assume she's doing it carefully, but yeah, probably from the horse. It just makes the most sense.
1: Hmm. Put a
0: blanket under him. He'll be fine. He'll be fine.
1: Yeah, maybe. Maybe you could form a litter like that because I'm just thinking like, what is the safe transport speed behind a horse when you have a gut wound? Like, Zero. one mile an hour, right. two mile an hour. <laughs> Oh, it gets really rough at five mile an hour, but then at 10, it kind of smooths out because the bumps hit fast uh, yeah, enough that yeah. you just kind of skim over them. Yeah. And at <laughs> 20, pff, it's like a right, dream. Like, like a BMX racer, right? You get over <laughs> those humps. You got to like hit that right. perfect speed. Yeah, suspension just evens everything out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anthony says, I didn't realize until this very episode that Ellie was from the Boston quarantine zone this entire time. I guess I didn't think about it much beforehand. My question, therefore, is what is the population of quarantine zones, specifically the Boston one? Based on population numbers, do you find it odd that Joel and Ellie had never met or crossed paths during their time in the Boston QZ until Marlene introduced them? Ellie had to have spent much, if not in her entire 14-year-old life there, and Joel could have been there close to 20 years. I, I don't think Joel's been there for 20 years. I think Joel did about five years of, you know, reaving through the wastelands until they decided as a group to try for the quarantine zone, um, but... Yeah, if, if we go with Zach's theory, she's been there 14 years, clearly sometime to where she doesn't remember Marlene or her mother. So f- probably at least 10 years. Do you buy that the Boston quarantine zone is big enough that Joel would not cross paths with Ellie? Um. I could
0: have sworn there was a population number mentioned about Kansas City. Am I wrong about that? Mm. Like did they say there were fifty thousand? Or am I thinking I'm thinking of Walking Dead, aren't I? With Maybe. the the oh, Commonwealth. The,
1: the Commonwealth, yeah. Boy, mixing
0: up my apocalypses here. Um I guess I would imagine it's big enough.
1: Yeah, especially think about like, even if you live in a small town, like what does it mean to meet someone or run into somebody? Because I run like in my I had a a small town. I grew up in a small town of under 10,000. I think it was under Mm 5,000. You run in a lot of people. But it's not like when I was in my the supermarket, I'm like, oh, that's that dude. That's that dude. It's like if I meet a person and be like, hey, my name or if I see someone, you you have to see them many, many, many times. And like. How often do those girls in federal School get out? It seems like they're kind of locked in that place. You know, they're in like a a, uh-huh. a, a boarding school. Like you don't just get to go out whenever you want. And yeah, not going Joel grocery runs, doing a whole bunch of gray market shit and burning corpses and stuff. I I buy <laughs> that they wouldn't have a lot of con. They wouldn't have a lot of uh you know bumping in and like if I, I imagine easily yeah. you got five ten thousand people there. Yeah, they don't run in the same circles, for sure. I wouldn't think so. Watch out for that fungus. we be right back with more Savage Starlight. We found something to fight for. This podcast. Welcome back to Savage Starlight. Scott says, hey, guys, quick comment on the mall skylights. Being from Boston, I recognize immediately as Cambridge Side Galleria Mall, which is near the quarantine zone area in Boston. Not sure if that's the mall it's based on, but the Canbridge side has a vaulted open skylight ceiling, though no arcade or carousel. Uh, Yeah, you provided a picture of this. This is, I mean, it looks I exactly it. like what they're going for. Yeah, yeah. it's 100%. And I, that's the thing about The Last of Us. They tried very hard to match. Like when, when you go through a location in the game, they do try to model it on the specific areas of the town or city that they're trying to model. So that's mm-hmm. a cool touch. Um, <laughs> I do I, but that, that shows it's like okay you can either have those open skylights or you can have no one noticing that the teenagers are playing in the mall you can't have them both but uh-huh. you know I don't know maybe they did stuff slightly different in the video game that they had a different explanation for why but I, it seems to me that anyone looking in this quadrant of the city would have to notice that there's all these lights go- going on you know yeah, I think so. Uh, Luke says, I was rewatching episode one of the show in the introductory scenes to Boston. There's a quick scene that depicts a couple of guys who have lost limbs. Do you think there's a this is a disciplinary thing for, like, stealing? Or is it possible that when caught early enough, amputation could help step, stop the spread of infection?
0: I assume it could. Yeah. Why not? If yeah. it's, like, bite, oh, your bit, chop, uh, your arm's gone, definitely, I think it could.
1: Yeah, Um, the blood, how long does it take the blood to fully circulate in the body? Isn't it like less than a minute? I feel like like blood from your toe gets back to your heart within a remarkably short period of time Uh, with how little blood you have and the pulse rate. And um, Mm -hmm. I I thought it was something like under 60 seconds. So now some things travel along like neural pathways and not... And can take very, very, very slow. Some things don't travel. Like, you know, obviously if you get bit and you don't hit a vein or an artery, that's going to make something different. But I will say this. I don't can't think of a single instance in the game where they do this. Sure. Yeah. It's not like The Walking Dead in that way. Yeah. Where you have several canon examples of, oh, if you got bit in the hand, chop, what whip off that arm and you're going to be fine. So it might... I don't know, maybe those fungal spores just travel through the the blood system so fast that it's just impractical.
0: Yeah, I I would believe that. Um, If it's it's under a minute, honestly, if it's under a few minutes, uh, I'd believe that it's just not... It it would certainly be possible, but not likely, and and Mm -hmm. they don't view it as an option. Um, It also seems
1: like, even in a hellhole like Fedra, like, (sighs) maiming people just seems like a bad, bad idea like it makes them less able to work and sure. makes them can't carry corpses
0: lo- with one arm eh, maybe sure. child corpses
1: <laughs> you gotta use the buddy <laughs> system yeah uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh.
1: yeah. Um, I don't know I, the, the, the other thing is like we've seen from the show that it could be different like we might get a scene of somebody whipping off someone's arm to save it or, or something or they might even be yeah. suggesting that in that scene so uh, uh, I, I want to jump back to the,
0: the previous email real quick um, sure. where we talked about the lights in the mall. I wonder, yes. and I don't know that we're going to get to see this, but I wonder if that is not what attracts the Fireflies to this location to then find Riley and Ellie. Um, Do you think they'd be keeping a closer eye on it since that's their, like,
1: depot?
0: Right, right. So they see, the, oh, somebody's in there. Uh, like, Riley, what the fuck are you doing? Don't turn the lights on in the mall. Uh, and so they go over there and they find this situation, and then they're like, we got to get out of here before Fedra comes
1: that that could be a yeah. likely scenario yeah for sure for sure although it's like I said it's, it's in a neighborhood the Fed are just recently electrified I figured that there would be like workers you know like it was like they just mm-hmm. recently turned them on but they haven't moved people in sure there'd be people yeah. you gonna work at night Aaron I'm not working at night that's what I'm saying yeah everybody world. just goes everyone just like yeah it's a zombie apocalypse Just go to sleep at night there's no 24 yeah. hour nothing no guards at night wait till tomorrow manana uh, Michelle from Texas, who notes in her signature she's an oatmeal raisin cookie enthusiast. So large grains hmm. of salt for all opinions uh, given in this year. <laughs> this year, feedback. Mm-hmm. This may have been pointed out already, but I was thinking about Riley's distaste for the Fedra future that was in front of her. But would she really have been any better off with the Fireflies? She mentions they're shipping her to a post in Atlanta. And from what we know, in episode one, Atlanta is known for drugs and ammo. Based on her explanation for how Marlene noticed her sneaking around successfully, is it possible that we are just going to use Riley as a drug mule or gunrunner? While standing guard sniffing shit isn't anyone's dream, I imagine it's much safer than what seems like she might be recruited for by the opposition. I'd love to hear y'all's thoughts on this. I mean, I don't think there are any good options in this world.
0: Right? I would think that the
1: revolutionary ragtag revolutionary group would be more dangerous than the working for the fascist police state
0: uh potentially yeah depends on how well equipped and dangerous the rebels are
1: uh well and then you got kc where it's like it's uh uh, you know you're just going to get just 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 killed to every man and woman on the force yeah yeah
0: like i said i don't think there are any great options i guess like Mm -hmm. being a fedra officer is probably the best you could hope for if you get to set your own schedule and sit in a cushy office all day but right yeah it's all pretty dangerous So, no, I don't think she would have been much better off with the Fireflies.
1: Yeah. And that's a a great way to get disillusioned about whatever, you know, Eagletarian pipe dream organization that you think is perfect is to join them. Join (laughs) them, volunteer Uh for them, work with them on a project, and you will find out that, oh, my God, this is staffed entirely by people. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and people are idiots are deeply imperfect and uh-huh. have mutually contradictory goals and desires and levels of power madness and whatnot it's so yeah I imagine there's a lot of people join up the fireflies thinking ah oh, finally something worth fighting for and then they're they're essentially uh, a drug running middleman and like you know just to keep the the, the beast fed just to keep the the, sure. the firefly machine profitable and, and supplied you know
0: Mm-hmm.
1: A lot of compromises that I'm sure are made on all sides. All right. This is the last email before we get to the Spore lore. So I want to give everybody a heads up so you can hit the pause or stop button when we get to the end of this. Uh, Gavin is going to be our gateway to the Spore lore. He says, I know that the infected go through several different stages of development. However, what are the transitions between those different stages? Is there a distinct cutoff point where a runner becomes a clicker and then becomes a shambler, for example? Or is it more of a smooth, continuous process of development from runner all the way up to bloater? At what point do runners lose their eyesight and have to start using clicking noises to navigate the world? Or perhaps the infected do not all follow the same path of development, but can branch off and become different types of infected depending on their environmental circumstances. Good old fashioned fungus biology, fake biology. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think, Jim?
0: I, I think there's definitely a continuum here. And it would be like hmm. trying to pin down, you know, where Homo sapiens starts. Exactly right. Like the missing link. Everybody's searching for the missing link. What's the missing link between the clicker and the runner? Uh, it, it There's certainly a point, but it's probably different for every single infected because some of them are stronger. Some of them are weaker. Some of them, uh, yeah, probably is affected by environment a little bit. But yeah, I, I don't think there is, I mean, obviously when you become a clicker is when you lose your eyes and you start clicking, right? Like you you can start receiving those signals. Um, but there's probably an in-between where it's like, well, it's got some eyesight, but it also has the clicking. Neither of these are particularly well honed at this point because it's an in-between phase, but they're, they're gradually, the eyesight's getting worse and the clicking uh, sense is getting better.
1: I don't know. Yeah. And, 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 you know, since this is all based on a game, in a game, you don't usually have in between enemy types. Like, you don't ever find a runner that's like half a clicker or a clicker that's like half on its way to becoming a bloater or whatever. You know, it's always just like, that's a clicker or that's a runner or that. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like the show has done a little bit more. Like I thought that this, if you want to call him a runner, was decidedly clicker in its like head formations and even uh-huh. some of the shrooms it was growing. Like started to grow armor on its shoulder. Uh, the convenience store, uh, the click or you know uh, runner who was blind in one eye was already starting to make clicker noises. So it mm-hmm. suggests that maybe they start clicking before they completely lose their that would eyesight. Make some
0: sense, yeah.
1: Also, like we talk about how this isn't, I don't think, a precise process. So it could be that uh, runners that do, do not get the correct orientation of headgear and clicking upgrades like starve to death because they become blind and the clicker never quite came together. It didn't function correctly and they they, they starve and can't provide for themselves and get killed. So mm-hmm. um, we only see the successful transition forms. We don't see the mutations that don't don't make it. Yeah. Um, Again, this is all like sci-fi evolution. This obviously couldn't take place. And I got someone sent me a long email saying like trying to get behind the science. It's like it's one thing for the cordyceps, the mushroom to, to jump the humans and maybe cause mental confusion or super aggression or something but like building whole new structures and making echolocation and things like that that's that's a lot of fucking macro evolution in (laughs) Mm -hmm. just a few years time so like this is all very even though it's got that science veneer and sheen to it this is very much science fiction
0: yeah I I do want to say I assume that all infected eventually starved to death that's 'Cause I don't think what they're doing when they attack humans is looking for sustenance. I think they're trying to spread the the mm. the parasite
1: yeah, you might uh, be right to a new that. fresher
0: host, right? So that so that it can live on. But I but I assume like the parasite just eats and eats and eats and eats the body until there's Replacing nothing left to it eat with and, then dies. Material and
1: yeah. And as right. and that's the thing. It's like as it's replaced with mushroom, does it require less and less sustenance that it can't just derive from tendrils and maybe or if it connects up to the general
0: network it's probably gonna you know survive um right a lot longer because you know it's it's a fungus at the end of the day it's able to derive its nutrients from a lot of different sources uh probably not just humans right so Mm -hmm. yeah
1: yeah that's my assumption is they all starve to death eventually um, it seems like he, that's borne out Like uh, when Joel sees that desiccated husk Of the like il- fully illuminated You know runner up against the wall That's like completely blossom, And he's like oh yeah it's just, it's all dried out Like I think that's what yeah Like when, when it can no longer do anything With its host it just kind of like Uses it up and turns it into Fruiting bodies and tendrils and stuff Yeah all right, that's going to do it for our non-spoiler section of the uh, feedback episode. If you want to follow us into the Spore lore, you're, you're you're free to do so, but we will be discussing significant spoilers from the video games. Uh, and then if you uh, – uh, we eventually get to the Super Spore lore where we talk about The Last of Us 2. So be forearmed or forewarned and forearmed – Uh, T-L-O-U at baldmove.com is how you send us feedback. Support.baldmove.com is how you find out about how to join the club and other ways that you can support us monetarily because we uh, do depend quite a bit on direct listener support to to make these podcasts happen. Uh, Of course, you get access to ad free feeds and tons of bonus audio content like our instant take instant talk live recordings on Sunday night. Not only do you get both sides of that instant podcast, but you get to produce, you get to participate. You get to watch us record live and participate with us using the YouTube chat system, support.baldmove.com if you'd like to join in the Bald Move community. Uh, finally, twitter.com slash baldmove is where you find all of our other releases. Man, we're doing stuff all of the time. We're always uh, <laughs> reviewing movies. We just got done with Creed 3 last night. Going to be doing John Wick 4 at the end of the month starting yellow jackets we're in the middle of picard we're doing the mandalorian starting this week uh mm-hmm. S- severance is coming up later foundation is coming up later all the time we're doing stuff at bald move bald you can follow that uh set twitter uh that's it that's it uh here on out spoilers get out of here go run run the infected are coming okay <laughs> Alan, you stepped on, you stepped on a piece of the network. That's now right. The spoilers are on your ass. Yeah, that's right. They're going to, they're going to find and spoil, spoil you. Mm-hmm. Um, Alan says, I believe, so we talked about the American dreams. This is the prequel to the, uh, it's the comic, uh, the right? DLC left behind. This is the, the, the four issue comic book. Mm-hmm. Um, Alan got the details on this. Says, I believe there's only one official story publication for The Last of Us beyond the two games in the show, obviously. And it's the four issue comic book, American Dreams, published by Dark Horse. The reason I bring it up now is that comic is written by Neil Druckmann and is a story of Ellie arriving at the Boston Federal School and meeting and befriending Riley. It's written and published between the release of the main game and the Left Behind DLC. There's actually stuff in the comics that sort of contradicts the DLC, such as Ellie visiting the mall before and also meeting Marlene that may render it non-canonical. That said, as a blueprint for the DLC, I find it kind of fascinating. Uh, So spoilers for the comic book. If you don't want that, then probably bail now, I suppose. But uh, if you're like me and you've known about this comic for 10 years and haven't read it yet, eh, stick around. Check it out. Uh, the episode this week clearly drew much from it. The scene where Ellie is told off by the school head teacher, Officer Guy, is taken straight from that comic. Ellie and Riley's prior relationship is expanded on in the comic. Ellie gets punched on her first day at school, and Riley, in turn, beats up the kid who attacked her. Ooh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would think that Ellie has been in this school for a long, long time. I would have thought so, too. I guess it could have been years. Like It, it could have been Ellie as a five-year-old or something, but still interesting i i i I, i've seen the comic and i think the ellie looks younger but maybe like 12 not like younger like she's six Mm -hmm. um i think they name her carol in the episode which we yeah that this this is alluding to the 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 the, this first instance here Mm -hmm. uh riley also steals ellie's walkman which she does in this episode they establish a kind of antagonistic friendship in the comic and riley also goads ellie into joining her and is sneaking through the mall There's also a great page where Ellie imagines the arcade in its prime from the comic before the next panel shows it wrecked and strewn with bodies. It's clearly morphed into the arcade sequence in a DLC and episode. The comic also has a sort of vagrant character living in the mall called Winston, from whom Ellie and Riley steal a bottle of whiskey and radios in which to contact the fireflies. Hmm. I wonder if this was the inspiration for the dead guy they loot in this episode. He also touches Ellie. I'm sorry. He also teaches Ellie. Oh. Big difference in those verbs to ride a horse which she's thrilled by which I guess they abandoned in the show's continuity Hmm. Uh, well I don't know she rode that fucking horse in Jackson like a champ Uh, Mm -hmm. I think this is interesting he also had a lot of stuff about I guess this comic goes into the Marlene of it all. Oh, maybe not into the aftermath, but into a little bit more information about how they met and how she knew her mother, which I cut out because those are, I think spoilers for everybody, unless mm-hmm. you've read the comic, which I imagine is very few of us. So I'm just going to, uh, I think there's a chance that some of this stuff might come out in the next week or two and we can just hold on American dreams further spoilers until we get through this season. That's what I think okay um that's the only spore lore we have we do have a few in the super spore lore section about three emails to consider so if you want to get out without knowing anything about the last of us two um if you're waiting to play the last of us two at the end of the season now would be a good time to get out flee flee for your lives okay Dante from south carolina i'm wondering why riley wouldn't be immune like ellie if it is a mutation in the runner who bit her, that's the reason Ellie's immune and not her. Then why isn't Riley immune, too, since she was bitten by the same infected person? Wondering if there's a reason I'm missing. Enjoy your coverage. Keep up the excellent insights. Well, thank you. Um, so that's true. We did mention last week that it's established, I believe in The Last of Us 2, that it's not something in Ellie that provides her immunity. It's a mutation in the fungus itself. If that fungus came from a single infected that bit them both, how the hell would you explain that, Jim? I assume they're just, they react to it
0: differently, right? It's, it, Ellie has an immunity to this particular uh, evolution of the fungus, but Riley yeah. doesn't.
1: Yeah, they said this. I think they say that in biology, that genes by themselves are meaningless, that they have to be expressed in an environment. You know, like you. Yeah, you like know, I might like, be allergic to pollen, and you might not be. You know. Right, right. Um, so I think the way I understand it is, it could be something that, like, yes, it's a mutation into fungus, but it would only express in certain type of people. Maybe it's a certain blood type. Maybe mm-hmm. it's a certain immune system weakness or strength. Maybe it's a particular protein chain that resonates, and you get the 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 infection protection. Mm-hmm. So I think that checks out, but, um, you know, of course in, in the real video game, they're attacked by a lot more than just one fucking runner. You know, it's like, a, uh-huh. it's a, it's a wave. Uh-huh. So it's like, it could be that like, you know, they didn't get bit by the same, uh, it, it may, maybe the game makes it explicit. they get bit by the exact same one too. But the way I recall, it's, it's not as clean as in this show. So I think we're covered either way, but I, I I, that's, the, that's the headcanon I'm rolling with. If uh, you got any evolutionary biologist or fungologist fungal researchers out there to want to say otherwise, hit me up. telu at baldmove.com. Henry says, I want to point out the infected stuck in the wall suddenly waking up does in fact happen in the games. They show it a bunch in The Last of Us Part 2. When you come up on one, you're supposed to take it out with a silenced pistol or a crossbow before they wake up and attack you. I remember because they always startled the shit out of me. <laughs> um... I'm also pretty huh. sure the ones that have fungus sprouting out of their face, but not quite to the point that they lose their eyes are what's known as stalkers in the game. They're different from other infected in that you can't see them in your listen mode. And they sneak around and use stealth as opposed to attacking head on. Could explain why this one took so long to attack them and they couldn't hear them until it was right up on them. Kind of a weak sauce spoiler, but it's like, you know, if you consider enemy unit types to be spoilers, I mm-hmm. I, I wanted to preserve that shock for you. I, I, didn't remember the stalkers being walled up by the fungus that could be but like i just don't ever remember it i I remember them not because they're being you know like uh the stalkers are exactly the same as a runner it's just they have a different behavior pattern for some reason the runners are always Mm -hmm. moving around shrieking even when they're not targeting a player, the stalkers just kind of stand in one place. And mm-hmm. with the listening mechanics we talked about in The Last of Us for you naughty not-game players that are listening to the spoiler section, if you <laughs> it, it, it's cause like it, it visualizes people, but they have to be generating noise, which means they have to be moving. If someone st- stays still for like up to three to five seconds, they disappear from that radar, which is why the stalkers are so dangerous. A lot of talk might... too, and you can hear that. But yeah, they disappear when they're not making noise. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I don't. I didn't remember them being walled up as fungus. But like, maybe um, uh, enough people sent in this type of feedback that I uh, there must be at least one or two jump scares where they are. Okay. Yeah, I'll take your word for it. It's been a while since I I played that game, and I
0: don't remember that. But
1: yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, I hated the stalkers in the second game, man. Because they, like, they essentially break the the game mechanic where, like, sure. you know. I think you're relying just... on not to get the shit scared out of you. <laughs> uh, man, when they're mixed in with clickers, it's, like, the fucking worst of two wor- all worlds. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't ever like settle each into other, yeah. a, exactly a playstyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, David B. from our former hometown of Indianapolis says during the scene where Joel and Ellie are sitting around the campfire and talking about what they're going to do after everything is done, Joel says he wants to live on a farm far away from everyone to raise sheep. That was definitely a spoiler for those who haven't played part two of the game (laughs) uh, and possibly for the second season. uh, I think to the last part of the second game with Ellie and Dina living together. Dina has her baby and they're all living on a farm away from Jackson raising sheep that yeah. I you remember um I think that's cu- I don't know that Joel ever talks about wanting to be a sheep farmer but like I think that's a really cute way mm-hmm. to weld both of those things in the game it, it, I'm sure it's going to pay off in season 2 I'm almost positive mm-hmm ian says i'm enjoying your coverage of the last of us well thanks ian i was telling a friend who doesn't listen to the official podcast about how coy neil was when he's talking about ellie's scar and the 7-eleven situation so i was excited to hear you two also noticing his reluctance to get into details neil's tone answering this question makes me think this moment is a planned flashback or a dialogue bit in the rumored part three that he's been working on at naughty dog Hmm. may be fishing for validation of these rumors here but it's curious that neil doesn't even want to tell craig how ellie got her scar yet Anyway, I want to run this by you guys since this exchange in the podcast stuck out to me the same way uh, or stuck out to you the same way it did to me. It could be, I guess, the fact. Because I, I remember thinking is more of like maybe his personal embarrassment about the story. <laughs> But I forgot that he does connect that this is going to be like Ellie, like like the like like this is something based on his life. And does he? I I couldn't remember if I was just like inferring that or or imagining that. Yeah, me too, me too. And I didn't have time to like scan through the official podcast to see. Yeah, but I think this is a I good think...
0: theory. I I, I kind of like it that like they're working on a potential part three, and he doesn't even want to tell. Neil or he, sorry, he doesn't even want to tell Craig because he doesn't quite know yet.
1: Yeah, like he's and got the, germ of the idea, definitive, but would limit him right. If he says something to his creative partner on the show, then mm-hmm. it becomes real, right? Yeah, and yeah, like what he changes his mind, you're going to have this massive. This yeah, but but Craig really likes that approach, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, if he doesn't watch out, uh, Craig might get a story credit on the. <laughs> the last of Us three and God, I'll God, yeah. have yeah. to pay him three million dollars yeah exactly exactly he ain't cutting out any pieces of that pie for nobody <laughs> uh, Ryan is going to finish up for us today says Ellie's wandering alone at the end of part two Abby's still alive at the end of part two with an Ellie of her own no stories complete without a part three how do you think Naughty Dog will end this epic saga first time we've been asked what do you think a loose outline for episode three would be Dude, I have no idea. A third person with their own Ellie? I <laughs> I don't know.
0: That seems to be the pattern, I guess. Um,
1: I I think I think what if I were Neil, I'd be tempted to do is synthesis. We had what way? the story of Ellie and Joel mm-hmm. murder hoboing their way across the United States and Joel making a controversial decision to uh, save Ellie at the potential expense of the entire human race. Mm-hmm. Second, we introduced the idea that other people have perspectives on those actions and can be ever bit as motivated to avenge their loved ones as Joel would be his brother, or Ellie would be Joel, and what problems that makes for society. Mm-hmm. Third would be the synthesis of essentially i'm suggesting ellie and abby finding a way to coexist literally like in the same team in the same town bearing the the the, the hatchet and in like they are the generation where this stuff ends taking their mutual understanding of each other and and creating a society around that yeah yeah but i don't know because like it's like just because you get to a point where you sing kumbaya and you join hands doesn't mean the rest of the world is ready for it so like oh sure that's the jackson conundrum no matter how soft and squishy and ooey gooey things are in the middle you have to have a hard protective shell or that society is just going to get its ass kicked in by the first yeah. person who yeah. is willing to lie or show aggression right
0: hmm I-, I like it i like it as a concept uh boy what does that
1: look like as a game though because you're not just going to be rebuilding a society as a game right that's not very it'd be it'd be ellie and abby having to go on a mission together for some reason like it'd be be ellie and just ending up on the the quote-unquote farm at the end of the the end of the game right yeah but this time it's a bigger farm with more people uh and everything is happy like maybe ellie has to go on a mission to save dina or I don't because like because the thing is, it's not like Ellie. Um, because if I recall correctly, Dina T. Lou, too, Ellie goes back, like we don't know how it works out, but Ellie's going to go back to try to work things out with Dina, right? But Dina's left the house, she's gone back to Jackson, correct? I think so, like I said, don't remember it super well, but I think that's right. So, yeah, that that, that I, I was correct. Ellie goes back to the farmhouse, finds it empty, um, and then leaves the place I always thought that she probably went back to Jackson to try to win Dina back uh, so in that circumstance um, Abby has a lot better idea of where Ellie is than Ellie would of where Abby is going to go so there'd have to be something where Abby needs Ellie to help on a mission and then they run at the man that's hard for me to see I'm trying to think Abby going back to Ellie mm-hmm but I think that's the thing that makes the most sense. You'd have to come up with a good reason to to put these two together because anything else any, any other thing to explore that you'd have to, you know, create entirely new characters and I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um but besides that synthesis of how how you ba- bury the hatchet and 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 move on as a society, um what else is there to explore?
0: Uh human nature and their inability to do what you
1: just described. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm always in fiction, hoping someone points the way forward. I I was kind of secretly hoping in the expanse that there would be some kind of grand, like you know, if you you, any kind of long-standing enmity that we face in the you know healing the 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 trauma of colonialization and. Uh, mm-hmm. ending like racial and and religious strife and you know like h- how do you do that how do you do that when you've had systems where for generations people have been entrenched on sides and are blowing each other up and killing each other how i'm always hoping that there's going to be a fiction it's like this is the way this is mm-hmm. the plausible way and like they all seem to just point that as a huge problem that's, it's fantastically difficult to solve sure almost something that's fundamental to being human <laughs> Yeah, the closest I can come to, like, a mission state from the Expanse is probably the more powerful, uh, stronger faction uh, has to take a punch and not return it. Totally. like That's what I got. Like, someone has to decide that this provocation I'm not going to be provoked by, and it's probably going to be the stronger of the and two kinda sides. And they kind of have to be forced to. <laughs> There's, yeah. Right? Uh, like, the yeah. old drummer situation, but yeah. Yeah. Uh. That wasn't that the Churchill quote that the the Americans can be relied upon after exhausting all their options to do the right thing, <laughs> like it's there's that element of you know Sounds you have right. to kind of be led to the conclusion. So like, mm-hmm. I that'd be an interesting thing for them to explore in the con But honestly, man, I would have never guessed they would have gone to Last of Us Two at the end of the Last of Us One. Or, fair, yeah. I mean, who the hell saw that? crazy and like that's so radical and out of the box and honestly antagonistic towards the player and your sensibilities that like her, a person that tells that story who the fuck knows what they're going to ca- be capable of yeah i do wonder if they'll try it again to do something
0: that is just so subversive of what you think yeah. of as typical gameplay fun in a narrative yes. um and reinvent video games again that seems like a tall
1: order but i wouldn't put it past him I mean, he knows that like the player base he's got going into Last of Us 3 has got to be some kind of masochistic. So they're going to be willing to follow those, you know, or, or gaming experience junkies. Right. True. Like, that too. Yeah. <laughs> you get this strange thing. Yeah. I want to experience that. Because even if even if you don't like the plot of The Last of Us, the gameplay is excellent. It's, it's uh-huh. extraordinarily yeah. fun and feels feels uh, it, it's some of the best combat, like, you know, pulse pounding and exciting and cinematic that I've, I've seen in a game. Mm-hmm. so i don't know I, I would love to hear your guys's thoughts how do you predict something so unpredictable uh tlu at ballmove.com. that's going to do it for it this It all week's takes feedback. place in a 7-eleven how about that <laughs> <laughs> it turns out ellie wakes up and she's on board a spaceship oh Jesus. That's going to another solar system a- abby and ellie
0: opened the apocalypse's first 7-eleven it all takes place there she loses part of her other eyebrow in the process
1: <laughs> they can never keep the slushy machine going. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> to Slurpee, please. Slurpee. This is true. We didn't trademark
1: this. We didn't spend money on the trademark for nothing, Aaron. True. Oh. Is that is the 7 Eleven's the Slurpees? Uh-huh, Not a slushy. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Good for 7 Eleven. <laughs> uh that's gonna be it for the Slurpee trademarked. Sponsored edition of the Super Spoiler Spor- section and thus the feedback section. Tlu at baldmove.com is how you follow us. Uh, if you want to get, uh, if you want to support us and get a whole bunch of bonus audio like our uh, uh, instant t- takes and talks, go to support dot com. And of course, there's Twitter dot com slash baldmove at move. if you want to follow uh, our other non The Last of Us releases. Find out what we're all about. Uh, Otherwise, thanks for making it to the end. Appreciate it. Uh, Hopefully we'll see you on the instant take or instant talk this Sunday. But if not, we'll be back for the full podcast on Tuesday and another rip-roaring feedback section on Thursday. Uh, One last time, Tlou at baldmove.com. T-L-O-U at baldmove.com. Thanks again, everybody. Uh, We'll see you next time. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Later.